there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T for C. Are you struggling to manage your fear around the current coronavirus pandemic and how it'll impact your ability to find a job or keep a job? Also, fear about your health, your social life, and the broader economy. I could go on and on. Well, my next guest is an author and positive psychology coach whose newest book teaches us how to become more resilient to the challenges in all of our lives by focusing on what's strong rather than what's wrong. But before I introduce you to Fatima Doman, I want to make sure you've signed up to get a free copy of the Just Brew It ebook with amazing career advice from some of the incredible professionals who've been guests on T4C. Among them, NPR journalist and host of How I Built This, Guy Raz, and Dr. Janet Yellen, the former chairwoman of the Federal Reserve Bank. And it is super easy to do, my friends. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and you'll see the sign up box right there on the homepage. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Fatima Doman, public speaker, executive coach, and CEO of Authentic Strengths Advantage and the author of several books, including her very latest entitled Authentic Resilience. Fatima has motivated audiences across six continents to leverage their strengths to bring about transformation in their lives. And she is so passionate about empowering people to achieve sustainable high performance at work and at home. Fatima has decades of experience teaching evidence-based tools rooted in the groundbreaking science of positive psychology, which we're going to be talking about in more detail in just a few minutes. Fatima, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am, and it's great to be here. Thank you. I should say welcome back to Time for Coffee because you were one of the very first people I interviewed. It was such an honor, I know, and you've come so far with your podcast, and I follow it, and what amazing topics you offer. Well, thank you so much, and honestly, I feel, especially in this time that we are right now, I mean, right, we're in the third week of May 2020, and with the coronavirus being such a part of our daily lives here for the last couple of months, there is no more important topic than well-being. And that's what you're all about. And how wonderful that you've written this book about how we can build more resilience into our lives. So let me start by asking you, Fatima, how are you doing and how's your family doing? Thanks for asking. We have quarantined for several months. Just recently, our city has opened up and it, you know, it's been a stressful time for many, many people. And you can sense the fear in people when you do venture out to the grocery store and so forth. And it's an incredible time in history, but I think an incredible opportunity as well to really discover our inner fortitude 
that part of ourselves that's unshakable. And that's what the science of positive psychology is helping many people to do. I love that. First of all, we should let our listeners know that you are in Park City, Utah, the beautiful Park City, Utah. What is positive psychology? What is the science behind it? And how does it work, Fatima? So positive psychology is rooted in over 800 global peer-reviewed research studies. It's wide open to academia, and therefore we have perspectives from all over the world. As a matter of fact, over 8 million people worldwide have taken the VIA Strengths Inventory, which I offer on my website at AuthenticStrengths.com, and that strengths is plural, AuthenticStrengths.com. So as I talk about these strengths throughout this interview, I just want people to know that they can discover their own unique strengths profile. And this science is showing that we can pattern after what we know works for human flourishing. For example, traditional psychology, which is very important and has its place, focuses on the disease model, what's wrong with people. But scientists from around the world, there were 50 of the world's most elite scientists that came together at University of Pennsylvania under the stewardship and direction of Dr. Martin Seligman and Dr. Christopher Peterson. And what they did was they cataloged 24 human character strengths and they created an inventory, you know, and kind of like the periodic table of elements. But this is a table that shows you these 24 character strengths that bring out the best in people. And then they studied them for three years. So we have a lot of information. And then since then, like I said, there have been over 800 global research studies and we have come to understand what helps people to thrive? So instead of focusing on the diseases and the mental illness and all of that, which we also, it's very important that we need that type of understanding, obviously, but we also need to balance that with understanding what gives people energy, what gives them engagement, what helps them to be more productive and so forth. You mentioned Dr. Martin Seligman, and there's a quote that I want to read for our listeners, because I think it's so relevant to what we're dealing with today with the coronavirus. And this is from Dr. Seligman. He said, the defining characteristic of pessimists is that they tend to believe that bad events will last a long time, will undermine everything they do, and are their own fault. The optimists who are confronted with the same hard knocks of this world, think about misfortune in the opposite way. They tend to believe that defeat is just a temporary setback or a challenge, that its causes are just confined to this one case. How can our listeners take this to heart, Fatima, and not get overwhelmed by the daily onslaught of news about the coronavirus? Well, actually, hope and optimism are one of the 24 character strengths. And one of the things that I write about very often in my book, Authentic Resilience, but also I'm a contributor at thriveglobal.com, which is a great website for resources on well-being. So what I write about in those venues is that we can build 
any one of our character strengths at any time. And especially right now during this coronavirus, the strength of hope and optimism is a strength that we would probably want to focus on. And we know also from recent research studies on building resilience that there are some strengths that are more highly correlated to building resilience. One of them is bravery as well. So, you know, cultivating our bravery. And by the way, me personally, bravery has been rather low on my list. And over the past couple of years, I've been intentionally working on raising bravery. And it's a good thing because it has helped me as this coronavirus has come about. That's one of the strengths that I'm drawing on. And there's also the strength of spirituality that is very correlated with building resilience and overcoming adversity. And we're not talking about religiosity at all here. We're just talking about a sense of meaning and purpose. So people who can connect to a sense of meaning and purpose in their lives, especially during this time of the pandemic, they will have an added measure of strength that they can draw from. And I write about these strengths that are very core and integral to cultivating resilience in our lives. I'm going to ask you about your book, Authentic Resilience, in just one minute, but you made a really important point. You talked about how you've been trying to cultivate your strength of bravery over the last number of months. The fact is, we have, as Fatima mentioned, 24 strengths that have been documented by Dr. Seligman and others, and all of the research that Fatima also referenced. In positive psychology, We all have those 24 strengths. You have greater strengths and you have lesser strengths, but there's no such thing as sucking at something. There are no weaknesses, right, Fatima? Right. So the inventory, the VIA Character Strengths Survey that I was mentioning earlier that people can access for free on my site, they only measure strengths. The the questions on that survey only measure strengths. Those questions do not measure weaknesses. So when you download this two-page report, you will see your strengths categorized, all 24, in order of which you express most often. Those are your top strengths or what we call your signature strengths. And they're as unique as a fingerprint we're discovering. There are over a sextillion possible combinations of these 24 character strengths and the degrees to which people express them. So each human being is very unique in the way in which they express their character strengths. So character strengths are that part of us, the highest and best part of us. What is most noble about humanity, right? So of the character strengths, you know, there are strengths like teamwork and leadership and love and kindness and forgiveness. And like I mentioned earlier, hope and bravery and zest and gratitude. So these 24 character strengths, we often refer to them as comprising what we call human goodness, not in the moral sense, but in the sense of contributing to what psychologists call the good life, you know, a life that is satisfying and fulfilling and that also contributes to others. Great. So your new book is entitled Authentic Resilience. And in it, you talk about how a key ingredient to building resilience, and that's the ability to bounce back from challenges, is to anchor ourselves in our strengths. Could you give us an example 
of what that looks like, Fatima? So when you discover your own unique strengths profile, about five top strengths, and I I don't like to tell people it's just your top five that are your signature strengths because, you know, that locks people in. You decide what you feel once you look at your profile, what you feel are truly your go-to strengths. And on average, it's about the top five. So we know that if you keep those front and center, if you focus on using those more in your life, that your, like I said earlier, your energy, your engagement goes up, but also your achievement goes up. Did you know that? So for all those (laughs) college students that are out there, if you can find creative ways to use your strengths in your college assignments, your achievement tends to go up and your relationships tend to be more positive. So there are many benefits that we can point to when we use our strengths. And you talk about how we need to focus on what's strong and not what's wrong. What does that mean? So in the past, people have been literally taught to focus on their weaknesses, and it really has its roots in human survival. If you think about it, you know, as we evolved over the millennia, our brains were focused on, okay, what's wrong about this scene? How do I stay alive? How do I survive? But we've evolved so much as a species that really it's time to shift from survival mode to thriving mode. And it's much more beneficial to us to focus on solutions, to focus on what's strong about ourselves rather than always looking at the gap analysis, so to speak. So we know from research that when you focus on solutions rather than on problems, that some studies show that goal attainment goes up by about 80%. Wow. So that's very significant. Just orienting your questions and your level of inquiry into any challenge that you're facing, always orienting it toward a solution focus. And I write a lot about that in my books and I offer some tools in my books around that as well. That's right. And when I was reading your book, I was particularly, I guess, struck by how we use sort of the negative talk and how it's become a habit that we have our inner critics. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, especially when I worked at CNN and especially when I was covering the Hill and the State Department, I would be doing on average, if there was a big news story, 15 or 25 live shots a day on average. And wow. (laughs) And if I made a mistake, let's say I stumbled or I rambled or I failed to hit the very specific points that I wanted to make, I would beat myself up about that over and over again. And I may have done like 15 live shots that were really, really good, but the 16th was one where I was getting tired and I rambled and I did this. That would be the one, Fatima that I would focus on because I screwed it up. How can we silence our inner critics? How can we stop the negative talk that so many of us have engaged in? That is such an important question. As a matter of fact, my new book, Authentic Resilience, has a foreword by Dr. Daniel Amen, who is one of the world's premier thinkers and thought leaders on mental health and the brain. 
and neuroscience. And he's a professor at UC Irvine as well and has worked a lot on on the NFL's concussion studies. And in his foreword to my book, he talks about automatic negative thoughts. As a matter of fact, he's the one who coined that phrase many years ago, and he shortened it to ANTS, A-N-T-S. And it's like having all these ants crawling in your brain, right? That's a good way to remember automatic negative thoughts. All human beings have them. That's why I was saying earlier that in the past, we have been wired to survive. And those automatic negative thoughts have probably played a part in that. However, they can get out of control. And that's what you were talking about, the inner critic. In my books, I talk about the inner critic versus the inner coach because I'm trained as a coach at Columbia University. And and in our coach training, we talked a lot about and we learned a lot about shifting this perspective from criticism to potential, so to speak. So, for example, if you're only listening to your inner critic you might have a weakness focus. You might be problem oriented. You might have what's called a fixed mindset, blaming, judging, disregarding, feeling like, you know, we know it already or being afraid of change or looking for offense. So those are some of the characteristics of inner critic thoughts that pop into our minds. We all have them, but we can learn, we can literally learn the skill of turning down the volume on our inner critic and instead amplifying, turning up the volume on our inner coach. How do we do that? We develop what's called a strengths focus. We become solution oriented. You know, we cultivate what's called a growth mindset. We value learning and respecting other perspectives. We develop our strength of curiosity. We become more open to change. We look for intent rather than for offense. So there are many ways that we can turn up the volume on that inner coach to help us manage those automatic negative thoughts that we all have. I love that. And part of that, part of the negative thoughts and how negative thoughts are actually like pollution in our brain, which is what you talk about in your book, you also talk about something called neuroplasticity. Could you explain that? That's right. So this is so exciting about the human brain. We have learned that we can literally change the shape of our brain. We can even change the blood flow of our brain. So this is something that Again, Dr. Daniel Amen works with in his fMRIs and, you know, those the studies he does with fMRIs. It looks at the blood flow in the brain and where it tends to go. And so that's none of that is fixed. He, He has something on his website called a brain gem. And all of us can develop our own sort of brain gem by shifting our focus consistently and using our will, right? to shift our focus to our strengths rather than to our weaknesses. And we can cultivate that ability to consistently look at what's going right in our lives and amplifying that. So one of the analogies I like to use about focus that I think is so powerful, I don't know if you remember Noelle Pikes Pace. She won the silver medal in the skeleton. And she said that, and she lives not far from my home here in Park City, Utah. And she has this saying, you go where you look because, you know, you're going, you're careening down a track on your back, you know, at up to 80 miles an hour. 
And where you shift your attention, where you shift your gaze, your body will go, your sled will go. So it's the same in life. Where we focus is where we will go. And we need to be very intentional about the trajectory that we choose to create for ourselves. So why not focus on our strengths rather than our weaknesses? That will take us to a very different place. I love that expression. You go where you look. I am going to write that on a sticky and (laughs) put it up on the wall of my office here. I absolutely love that. By the way, for those who may not be familiar, as I was not, with what FMRI stands for, it's a functional magnetic resonance imaging. It's a technique for measuring and mapping brain activity. So that just kind of explains that. I want us to talk about another strong negative emotion that I think is really prevalent today, Fatima, and that is fear. I think it would be hard to find a person out there today. I mean, we are all living, breathing human beings who is not struggling with that emotion. It could be fear of contracting the coronavirus or fear of the impact of the coronavirus on our livelihoods, on our society, our schools. How do you recommend that we can use positive psychology to manage those fears? So I think that there are many ways that we can use positive psychology. And what I've done is I've studied the many ways that we know from the research works, and I've developed a really quick three-step tool to manage negative emotions like fear. And, you know, it's just kind of, I see myself as a good synthesizer. I'm so passionate about studying all of the latest research. And I realize that people just don't have the time to spend doing that. So how can I synthesize it in an easy to remember tool that can help people? So this three-step tool that I've created is called Connect, Care, Create. So the first step, connecting within. So I encourage people to get comfortable and to just take some deep breaths. And we know that when we take deep breaths, that our mind calms down, our physiology relaxes, and we're more objective in our thinking. And from that place, then you can observe the emotion and observe it without judging, shaming, avoiding. It's almost as if you want to just be this calm, detached observer, identify the emotion and also identify maybe where in your body you're feeling it maybe in your stomach or in your neck or your shoulders. Where are you feeling that fear? And then the next step is to care for yourself. So intentionally, you work to relax, you know, just imagine relaxing that part of your body where you're feeling the emotion and just imagine it dissolving kind of like an ice cube in hot water and just letting go of that emotion, that negative emotion and uh, fear. We're, We're using fear for this example. And then practice some self-compassion. And I love the work of Dr. Kristen Neff, who is kind of at the forefront of studying self-compassion. So she teaches in self-compassion that one of the things that we could do for ourselves is to realize that we haven't been singled out. So people often think, why me? Why is this happening to me? But there's something called common humanity. And that says that really everyone experiences difficulty. Even the people you think have it most together in their lives, they may not be talking about their challenges or their pain, but everyone experiences that in life. 
So just recognize that it's part of the human experience. And that in itself, it allows us to practice self-compassion when we're thinking along those lines. And then also to commit to self-care. So think about the ways that you can support yourself and care for yourself. Maybe taking a little time out to go for a walk in nature or making the effort to bring maybe a plant into your home or to connect with a pet more often or to listen to your favorite music. And many of these things we can do even when we're quarantined within our homes. There are things that we can do to lift our spirits. And even though we may feel disconnected from others right now during this pandemic, we can reach out to others with technology and different things. We can listen to podcasts like yours to lift our spirits and to infuse hope into our lives and zest and all of these positive emotions. So commit to care for yourself and do what it takes to practice self-support. And then last is to create. And that's creating a positive new perspective. And this is one of the most exciting things about the positive psychology research. And that is the undoing effect of positive emotions on negative emotions. So based on many studies, we are learning that we can cultivate positive emotions and that they literally have an undoing effect on the negative emotions. For example, college students were studied and there are many research studies along these lines where they took college students and they separated them into two groups. One group was shown really disturbing negative films and asked to read really disturbing and negative news stories and so forth. And the other group was exposed to positivity, really edifying and uplifting and inspiring films and imagery and so forth. And then they gave them cognitive tests. And the group that was exposed to positivity consistently outperformed the group that was exposed to negativity. So we know that there's, again, an amplification effect that comes from looking at being exposed to things that are edifying. So we can use our own strengths of character to do that. And in this create stage, so my tool is connect, care, create. When we're creating that positive new perspective, I encourage people to identify which of their top strengths, because your top strengths give you energy. We know that from the research. Which of your top strengths would be best suited to this particular fear you're feeling around the pandemic? And how can you leverage that strength so that you can in essence, again, turn down the volume on that fear. And then just notice as you start to think about how you're going to use that strength, notice that the negative emotion will start to dissipate because you're refocused now on something else, on a positive emotion. And you'll notice that that fear is losing its power over you because of the undoing effect of considering how you're going to use your top strengths. Fantastic. And by doing that, if we develop a practice where we are turning down the volume, as you say, on the fear or whatever those negative emotions might be, Hugh Byrne, the meditation mindfulness teacher that I interviewed, who I interviewed recently, talks about changing the channel on them. We can actually rewire our brains. So that neuroplasticity that Fatima was talking about, that by nature, 
has us moving towards the self-preservation fear, we can rewire our brains to focus on the positive. It's incredible. It's right. And it's really so much of it is intentionality. But often when we're stuck and mired in that fear, it's hard to be intentional. But people can. They can they can develop that capacity within them. Often it's just a reminder, oh yeah. Oh, okay, let me think about my top strengths. And as a matter of fact, when we close, I want to issue a challenge to everyone. So let's save some time for that because the challenge has been related to a decrease in anxiety and depression. Fantastic. Um, Okay, I can't wait for that. I also want to say, this should be obvious, but neither Fatima nor myself is a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or a medical doctor. And for those of you who may be experiencing really severe negative emotions, you may want to consult with a medical professional. You may not be able to pull yourself out of this just by using positive psychology. So please, please, please be your best coach. And whether it's because of mental health issues or you may be in an abusive environment or there may be substance abuse involved, In any of those instances, please do seek out medical professionals to get help there. Fatima, before we move to the challenge, I would love for you to share one of the positive practices that I read in your book that you engage in at the end of each week called the three R's. What are the three R's and how can we incorporate that into our our weekly practice? Absolutely. And before I share the three R's, I can't agree more with you about encouraging our listeners to seek appropriate help. And I mentioned that repeatedly in my books. Seek professional help. There are people out there, there are hotlines you can call, and we really shouldn't feel like we have to go through this alone. And, you know, these are helpful tools, but they certainly are never intended to replace professional help from a psychologist, a medical practitioner, and so forth. So when we're talking about the three R's, reflect, reveal, recalibrate. This is a really simple, again, three-step process that you can do each week to just kind of put you more on track with where it is you want to go in life. And I have people, you know, once they set goals, then they can visit these three R's weekly and kind of reassess where they are with their goals. So reflect, reflect on what you've learned, what you've gained over the past week in working toward your goals. And it's all about taking an inventory of where you are and how far you've come. That's reflect. And reveal, reveal any insights you've gained. Because really, all of our existence, really, to me, it's about learning and growth. That's really the core of all that we do. And so if we're working toward a goal, you know, what can you learn from that? And we're imperfect beings. So you're going to reveal some insights. Hey, this worked. This didn't so much. This is what really motivates me more. And you're going to learn about yourself as you work towards your goals. And then recalibrate. It's okay to even change your goal if you feel that in the learning process, you've identified some things about yourself and some things that are even more important than the goal you had originally set. You may want to recalibrate your goal slightly or even to change it. So these are the three R's. Reflect, reveal, recalibrate. Wonderful. Thank you so much. 
So I think it's time for your challenge, Fatima. What is it? (laughs) So the challenge, I think, is based on some really interesting research. And especially during this time in history, I think this challenge is so appropriate. So I'd like for everyone listening, first, discover your strengths profile. And again, you can discover it for free and download it for free on AuthenticStrengths, that's plural, dot com. And once you're looking at that free two-page report, the strengths that are at the top, those are your top strengths. Okay, look at those and then pick one that you want to focus on for this next week. And then I'd like for you, once you've selected one, to think of new and creative ways that you can use that one strength in a new way each day for a week. And it can be as short as just a little five-minute exercise on how you're going to use that strength. For example, my top strength is gratitude. So I might say to myself, I'm going to do something a little different with gratitude. When I go to the grocery store, I'm going to just comment and, and, and express gratitude to the people that are working there and tell them, hey, thanks for being an essential services worker during this time. Thanks for your bravery. So just something new. It can be that short and quick. Each day, obviously, for a week. And then I want you at the end of that week to just sit down and reflect on any changes you've noticed in your life. So what we're noticing from this exercise that's been around for several years, that people report lower levels of anxiety and depression, and they have a measurable mood boost. So just pay attention to how you feel. See if it makes any difference in your life. And here's the exciting part of this very quick and easy challenge is that that one week exercise, and it could have been just as short as five minutes a day, that mood boost tends to linger with people for about six months after they've made that one week investment. Really? For six months? Yes, it tends to linger for about six months. So it's interesting because when people tap into their top strengths and they have a really positive experience with using a top strength every day for a week, what results is that they're more incented to do this going forward. And it kind of develops this whole new way of approaching life, right? Well, how can I use another strength next week? That felt so good last week. So there are some benefits that come from this exercise. And we encourage anyone who engages in this exercise, if you want to share your story, feel free to email us at AuthenticStrengths.com. Excellent. And to learn more about how to use positive psychology to develop resilience. Check out Fatima's new book, Authentic Resilience. We're going to have a link to it in show notes. Fatima, thank you so much for making time for coffee with me and the T4C community today. It is so wonderful that you are using some of your top strengths As you said, gratitude, but also empathy and compassion and perseverance and love of learning to help the rest of us become even better versions of ourselves. Thank you, Andrea. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee. 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.